You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Ty Bordner, Vice President Solutions Consulting for Amber Road. The supply chain industry needs to constantly evolve just to keep pace with the dynamics of global trade. Often this can require anything from changing equipment to overhauling systems. But what if you could create a digital model of your supply chain and instead change the way you view the entire operation? Ty Bordner, VP of Solutions Consulting for Amber Road, explains how digitizing your supply chain today prepares your business for tomorrow. Joining me today is Ty Bordner, Vice President Solutions Consulting for Amber Road. Ty, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with Inbound Logistics today. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Great. Today, we're going to be talking about global trade and the digitization of some of those aspects. Before we get into that, though, Ty, what is your background within the industry? What have you done before this? What are you doing now with Amber Road? Can you give our audience a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when I maybe just right out of college many years ago, when I started, uh, I worked for a company called uh, GE Information Services. And uh, I was a programmer. And, uh, you know, what I didn't realize at the time is exactly what, uh, what GE Information Services, also known as Geist, did. They were, you know, one of the top, uh, what's called a van in the world, value-added network. And, uh, you know, a lot of what they did was global trade, you know, exchanging EDI, electronic information amongst, uh, you know, what today is called B2B, business-to-business um, uh, business, uh, people around the world. And, uh, and I didn't really necessarily realize that when I started, but, uh, uh, you know, and the word van, value-added network, was, you know, kind of, I think, uh, if you look at it today, I mean, just about, you know, any software company that is exchanging uh, business information between partners or, or other business entities is, that has applications as well would probably be considered a van. So, so Geis or, or GE Information Services was one of the, one of the first companies around that was really doing that sort of thing. And then in the mid-90s, you know, I'm sure the listeners here will, some will remember and some won't, but the mid-90s was kind of crazy in terms of uh, the dot-com era and uh, year 2000 problem was a, was a factor in it. But what was happening, it was a bit crazy, and uh, there were many, many startups occurring throughout the 90s. And so anyway, I, I left GE, went to a, a startup called uh, Vastera, who uh, was really in the global trade supply chain space. And, uh, you know, when I say startup, I'm almost probably the eighth, uh, the eighth employee or so, something like that. And anyway, Vastera, you know, uh, was uh, developing and, and marketing software around the global supply chain, and you know, the company was pretty successful. grew grew to uh, I think eighty eighty plus million dollars in revenue, and ultimately went public. and And that was uh, really really heavily into the global trade area for, for me. Um, got got to know, you know, learned a lot about about what uh, what are the elements of the global supply chain, and 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 how how can we solve for them. And Vastera got acquired by by a bank uh, in the uh, around 2005, and the bank certainly had good ideas about what to do with with the software. But Vastera also became a hybrid. It wasn't just a software company; it was software and what is today called managed services, right? So it was helping companies, you know, not just through software, but also through through a service. And the bank really acquired the company for the service side, and I was really a software guy. So I uh, I actually was very fortunate to. Uh, to be able to, to join up with Amber Road, and uh, you know, work with an incredible set of people who uh, who have a mission to uh, really bring solutions around the global supply chain to the market. So I'm very happy about that. And I've been with Amber Road for 
for 12 years now. It's gone by very quickly, <laughs> but I can't believe it's been 12 years. But uh, I run the uh, lead the solutions consulting organization with Amber Road as well as a product marketing organization. So, yeah, I've been really in the global supply chain to one degree or another my whole career and uh, heavily into the uh, the global supply chain software space for the last, I guess, 22 years through Vestera and Amber Road. All right, well, that leads us right to, into the next question about global supply chain, global trade in general. Global trade moves very quickly. It's always evolving. Supply chains need to keep up with the latest technology to keep pace. And one way uh, that you talked about was through digitization, which it's a term that's being used everywhere today. But you know, when I think about digitization, uh, it tends to lead to things like Star Trek digitization or, or Tron. Uh, but that's not exactly what it means. So what does it mean exactly to digitize uh, the global trade supply chain? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I um you know, I guess in one way or another, I've been involved around the digitization of the, of the global supply chain for, for my whole career, as I said. And you're right. It has moved slowly, I think. And, and you know, maybe, um, you know, it's an era now where things will move a lot quicker. I think the word, you know, digitization or, or the European, uh, my European colleagues call it digitalization, which is probably better English. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it means it, it is really creating a digital model of the real world. Um, so in, in, in what we're speaking of here is the global supply chain. So really creating a digital model of the real global supply chain. Um, you can think of it as the digital twin. So there's obviously the real world. Things are happening, right? Now, ocean vessels are sailing and airplanes are taking off and landing and, you know, we're moving things through customs. I mean, those are, those are you know, sometimes people refer to that as the atoms, right? <laughs> the physical atoms are moving. But then there is a representation of that real world that's, uh, you know, defined as bits, um, the digital model of the real world. And when you can have a model of that real world, in the digital world, then you really can have uh, visibility and access to it, right? I mean, I, I, I can't physically see my goods moving through customs, right, unless I have cameras everywhere. But, but I mean, you get the point, right? I can't physically, you know, do things with those um, sitting at a desk. I can't, I can't uh, really manipulate the atoms, but I can see and manipulate the bits and make decisions by having visibility to those bits, if you will, using that using that term, so it's really it's really creating a digital model, and 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 what that means is having data that is essentially the definition is having the ability to that a computer software program can process that data. So, I guess what I mean by that certainly a paper document doesn't work, uh, even a PDF version or a scanned image of a paper document doesn't work because computer software can't really understand those things. Right. It is breaking that information down into, you know, the bytes and the bits that the computer software program can understand. And then, you know, taking it just a little bit further, it's, it's then representing things like master data that is, that is part of that digital model, right? So I have a product database that represents information about the products that are going to move across borders, whether it be exporting or importing or whatever. And, and I have information about those that are sitting there. And, you know, that information may change, but it's relatively static. And then I have the transactional data, so the actual representation of the physical movement of goods, right? I have a per I may start with a purchase order. Uh, that purchase order may be comprised of, you know, one or ten or a hundred shipments over time. But I have the representation of what that purchase order looks like, what that shipment looks like, you know, what the, 
what the ultimate customs entry would look like. And that is, if that's in a digital model that a computer system can process, then I start to gain real value and power through that. hope that's not too technical. No, no, no. It, it sounds really <laughs> matrix-like. But once a, once a business does have that digital model created, what's a real-world case scenario where they are effectively using it to help that supply chain along? Right. Yeah, that, that's the point, right? Yep, that's, that's, that's where we need to go. So, so once you have this model, once you've captured the data in, in a digital you know, format, if you will, representative of that real world, now you can start to do things with it, right? And we, we've taken a look at this. We've tried to break it down into categories of things that you would do, and we've come up with uh, four, four categories. So you know, maybe the first category is what we call collaboration. So you know, once I've captured the data, and, and generally speaking, I mean, somebody's going to have to enter the data sometime, some, you know, one time at least somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a customer service representative taking an order from a customer or you know, somebody's keying in a purchase order when that's done, what, whatever it is, it's entered one time. But the theory is, is that in the digital world, I'm going to reuse that data. I'm not going to force people to rekey the data in the same data, which, you know, by the way, largely happens today. I mean, People are rekeying data over and over and over and over again. There's a lot of silos, you know, you know, both internal and external, and it forces people to rekey this data. So collaboration means that once I've captured the data one time, I can then communicate that data to other parties electronically. So back in, you know, referring back to my GE days, my Geist days, being able to send that to other parties via an EDI message. Or, or in today's world, it could be called something an, an XML message, but but it's an electronic communication of the data, so that that other party doesn't have to key that data in themselves. And and also, uh, global supply chain software system can receive data electronically as well. So again, the data doesn't need to be keyed. And the other the other way to collaborate is through uh, a web browser, essentially. I mean, we'll call it a web portal, web browser, whatever. It is the ability to have that data now visible to parties that may need to see it. You know, in the global supply chain world, that could be this many parties, you know, anywhere between 20 and 40 parties typically have to access, see, edit, manipulate, uh, or use the information that represents movement of goods, you know, carriers and freight forwarders and customs brokers and customs agencies and suppliers and customers, and, you know, the list goes on. But, again, the second way to collaborate is to, to be able to share that information through a, through a web browser where people can see it. Maybe they augment it. Maybe they just need to read and consume that information to make a decision for their function. So, that, so anyway, that's, that's a long-winded uh, collaboration area. The second area is automation. So once the data is digital, now the software program, remember, can understand it and read it and can start to do things to it to uh, automate a process. Not all processes can be automated very well, but many can. And a software program that can automate can create value, right? It, it reduces the effort on human beings and or it protects uh, things being missed because it can identify uh, anomalies or uh, discrepancies that, that should be identified. And there's all sorts of things that automation can do. But once that data is digital, automation comes into play. The third is, is analytics. So once the data is digital, we can analyze it. We can write reports against it. We can correlate uh, information from other systems to the supply chain data. We can start to really look at things and find tremendous value in that data. So that's, that's an area that digitization, you know, allows or creates. And, and the fourth area, and certainly not the least, is, is something we call this flexibility, right? So having a digital twin of the real world provides for flexibility, provides for, you know, 
accommodating unforeseen events that you didn't know were going to happen. You know, um, it, it, it allows for, uh, you know, if, if there's changes in the world, uh, changes in regulations, changes in business processes, uh, a digital model allows for you to uh, adapt and uh, meet those those new changes and new requirements in a very efficient manner. So you talked about four areas that digitization affects. You talked about collaboration, automation, analytics, and flexibility. Can you give me some more examples about each of those areas? Yeah, yeah, right. So just as an example for collaboration, right, it could mean uh, being able to share product specifications with your supplier via a web portal, you know, early on in the process, right, perhaps pre-PO. So, you know, you share that information with your supplier through a single web browser, you can, uh, you know, the alternative way is I'm sending emails and spreadsheets and documents, and it's all, you know, who knows where the stuff lives and they get changed. And when these edits get made to a document, you know, who knows if the the person that needs to see it is going to really get it. So having, doing this in uh, collaboration in a, in a web browser, make sure everybody's looking at the same data, things are instantly updated, and it just creates efficiency. Another, another example might be getting, uh, you know, if I'm going to apply for a trade agreement uh, with my with my government and I want to enjoy the benefits of that trade agreement, which is greatly reduced duty, zero in many cases, uh, you know, I need to get information from my supplier. Uh, so again, getting that information through a uh, through a uh, web browser is an uh, extremely efficient way of doing that, right? Again, versus emails and whatnot. I mean, another uh, on the electronic side, I can make electronic bookings with my carriers. Uh, you know, through EDI or XML messages, I can uh, communicate information to my my partners, my freight forwarders, my customs brokers electronically, and I can even file information with customs directly. So, so you know, moving into that digital world allows for the collaboration, and those are, those are just some examples of of uh, you know how that might work. But there's an infinite number of examples, really. But those are just a few. And then the automation side, so. You know, again, just some examples. I can uh, I can automatically determine whether my product uh, and its associated bill of materials is eligible for a trade agreement. Um, you know, if I if I can't do that automatically, I have to do it by hand, which means I have to take the government's rules of origin and look at the bill of materials and do a whole bunch of stuff. And I could make mistakes, and it's uh, you know it's very difficult to do. A software can do that kind of work in a fraction of a second. Um, I can determine what kind of regulations apply to my goods. So when I'm going to move goods between country A and country B, I know what the export regulations are, I know what the import regulations are, and I do that through automation because the software can say, oh, you're moving, uh, you know, coffee from uh, Brazil to the United States. Well, here's what you need to do. Here are the regulations for getting it out of Brazil and then ultimately getting it into the U.S. I can automatically determine things like carrier rates and uh, schedules and automatically make bookings through the software. And I can also, as an example, uh, detect uh, supply chain events. So when a supply chain event occurs that I may need to know about, automation software can automatically route that event to an individual. So, you know, I may have goods that are about to clear customs. I know they're going to clear customs in a couple of hours. I can automatically alert the local drayage trucking company to have resources available to pick those goods up on the other side of customs and take those goods to my distribution center, right? So I can very efficiently schedule resources because I have a digital model and my automation helps me do that. From an analytics perspective, I can see who my upstream and downstream suppliers are and their relationships. So I can assess my risk there. I can, uh, you know, if there's ever happens to be a recall for whatever reason, quality or whatever, I can understand who's, who's part of that. That's, you know, somewhat of an analytical 
function, I can look at historical analysis of my partners, of my 3PL providers, and I can make decisions on who's doing well, who's not doing well, and, you know, do I want to, do I want to, certainly want to tell the people who aren't doing well they need to do better, and if they don't do better, I can, I can remove them and, and put other uh, partners in place. I can look at, um, duty savings. So I can look across my world and I can see what I'm doing with regarding my sourcing activities and also my distribution activities. And I can quickly analyze and determine what the opportunity might be to save duties based on things like free trade agreements or uh, duty deferral zones like foreign trade zone in the U.S. or processing trade in China. So I can uh, quickly analyze that in this massive amounts of data and bring that back to my company and say, hey, uh, you know, we could be saving $200 million worth of duties here if we leverage certain trade programs. So that's data analytics. I can also identify supply chain risk issues. So things in the supply chain where bottlenecks occur or I may have other certain risks. Again, if I have a database of all this information, I can mine that data for those kinds of risks. And then lastly, flexibility, the ability to swap out suppliers if I need to. My raw material suppliers, my component suppliers, if they're not performing the way I want them to, I now have data and... Uh, and I have the flexibility to take them out and bring a new supplier on board relatively easily. I can handle corporate uh, acquisitions in a much easier way or divestitures, right? So if I've got my company's businesses all on the same platform and I get a new, my company makes an acquisition, I know I can bring them into that platform and the standard processes that are set up in that platform are now going to apply to that new acquisition. That provides that flexibility. I can access new markets to sell to new markets in a much better manner because I know I have a system to help me execute my supply chain and or sourcing. So I can actually access sourcing markets uh, um, in a much easier fashion and, and provide that flexibility. And I can just handle non-standard requirements. So if there's weird things that, and, and when you, you start to look at the global supply chain and all the types of different uh, regions and countries and languages and time zones and, and business processes, um, having a system that can, can uh, normalize all that in a central way, it provides not just power, but provides that flexibility to handle, you know, non-standard things as well. So, yeah, those are, those are some, hopefully, some good examples of how uh, how value can be uh, brought to the table. Yeah, those those are great examples, uh, and you make it sound so easy <laughs> with, with a digitized supply chain. It is certainly easier with the digital model, that's for sure. All right. So, where does the business then really see the ROI of that digitized supply chain? Yeah, so that's the ultimate goal, right? <laughs> where's the value? All this great stuff with the digital supply chain, but uh, you know, where's where's the beef? Where's the value? So, I, I think the first area is uh, efficiency, um, which is really ultimately reduced cost. You know, being able to do things in a more efficient manner will create reduced cost and value in that way, right? Th th those costs can manifest themselves in many different areas. I mean. Just some examples are duty savings, you know, just reducing my duty, that's real cost, bottom line savings. You know, operational efficiencies, so if I can do things in a uh, less laborious manner, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating efficiency, I'm creating productivity. Inventory reduction, believe it or not, right? And so how that uh, comes to the table is if, if I know I can move my goods across, across borders throughout the world in a speedier, more expeditious manner, and I have visibility to it, I know that I can reduce my in-transit inventory. And in a lot of companies, that stuff that's moving, you know, whether it's, you know, a few days to three to four to five weeks worth of stuff that's in that in-transit inventory, if I can shrink that by a day, two days, 
three days or even more, that's potentially tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars of savings in, in inventory. Yeah. Supply chain speed. So just, get again, same concept. If I can get things faster and I can shrink the cycle time from point A to point B in my supply chain, I mean, I can bill my customer faster, right? I can, I can, I can uh, you know, if I, get, if I can bill my customer faster, I get, you know, career, take a day or two or three off my day sales outstanding from a financial perspective. So that's just, that's just pure money if you think about it. Reducing my risk, uh, sometimes it's, it's hard to quantify that, but, you know, reducing my risk, being able to deal with unplanned events, you know, whether it be hurricanes or just just having the visibility and the um, capability to to uh, manage any unplanned events that come up and 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 get around those events through the system, transportation optimization, sourcing optimization are all are all elements of of reduced cost. So I think that's probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, reduced risk uh, is another big big uh, area uh, when you when you're dealing with government entities. And you're dealing with, uh, you know, far-flung supply chains. Uh, you know, risk is a big, big uh, element that, that folks need to consider, right? Whether it be the VPs of supply chains, or, or uh, again, the chief supply chain officer, or, or the legal element within a company. I mean, um, and that risk is, you know, borne out in multiple ways. One is just the company's reputation and brand, right? If you do things and get in trouble with governments, I mean, your brand. Would be will be uh, diminished and damaged if you're uh, you know not following ethical, social, or environmental standards. If you're employing suppliers who are using child labor, uh, don't have their factories up to snuff with uh, with health and safety regulations. Uh, you know these things. These things, uh, and there's been many examples of these things that you know hurt your hurt your brand, right? Which is uh, can be immeasurable in terms of value. And you got and you just got penalties, right? I mean, there are penalties for doing certain things. You know, if you break the laws, you, you get fined and penalized, and that that can sometimes add up to to real real money. And then the other element of risk, I think, is just customer satisfaction. So, if I can't deal with supply chain disruptions, my supply chain stops because of things that happen, whether they're weather events or political events or other things, right? Then 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 my customer gets gets hurt. My customer satisfaction is is diminished. Ultimately, reduce costs and this efficiency help customer satisfaction. I can choose to lower the price on my product, which can help me make my customers happier if I if I so choose. And of course, then certainly the quality of my goods. So part of the global supply chain is making sure and ensuring that uh, you know my own quality standards are met in the sourcing process up front, as well as governmental standards that are that are part of the regulations uh, by country, by state, whatever to make sure that those regulations are met and that's uh, an element of quality. And if I have high quality, I'll, I'll have better customer satisfaction. And then the third main area is, is, is increased agility. Um, again, going back to that flexibility discussion we had earlier, but you know, it's global centralized supply chain control. It's really visibility to my world in that digital model. I create standardization, so I always process transactions in the same way, right? I always know they're going to be verified and vetted against government rules, whether they be export or import. I always know that I'm going to generate, you know, um, similar-looking documents, identical documents, if you will, as, they, as those documents are used to trans traverse the supply chain. And that helps, you know, customs throughout the world get comfortable with, with my company. It always sees my company's logo on the documents, and when they're going through customs, it's always the same information. It's always robust information, and it's good. That helps me move things through customs much quicker. 
Um, and then flexibility. So the ability, as I mentioned before, to be able to swap in or out my raw material component or finished goods suppliers, react to unplanned events, um, react to the changing world, right? Trade regulations change all the time. Having a system to be able to help me react to those and handle those things is invaluable. And then just the flexibility, as I mentioned, to handle, handle unique requirements. So those are some of the, so those are some of the main ROI elements of a digitized supply chain. Now, from all of that information, it sounds like a no-brainer to go to a digital supply chain. But when we're talking about the supply chain industry, it's been around for hundreds of years. It's not necessarily the quickest industry to adopt new tech and new methods. Can you compare, say, a non-digital supply chain against a, a fully digital one and point out where that digitization really makes a big impact? Yeah, yeah, I think I think if I if I think about it or if we think about it, I tend to think that one of the biggest areas is the breaking down of the various silos that have traditionally formed uh, in in this global supply chain. Certainly, the global supply chain. I mean, those silos can be internal to the company, and then of course, you know, it's hard to collaborate without being digital. So the silos tend to extend outside and and, and are external to the company. So internally, you know, I may have uh, my procurement department is not really collaborating with my logistics department and my logistics department department doesn't really collaborate very well with the trade compliance department um and you know you've got a situation where you know again people don't have uh, don't have a single version of the truth right they're all working in their own systems they're all uh, looking at data that doesn't synchronize, that's, you know, um, you know, different, different time stamps on, on transaction information or just different data. So having, having one, cap- one central system that has the same data in it and is then utilized across sourcing and logistics and compliance is really part of what software vendors in the global trade management space are trying to bring to the table, right? Trying to bring that capability so that the solution is now available that people can can leverage it and break down those silos. You know, that single version of the truth, that's really visibility. It's really having the visibility to not just the real-time transactional data, which is important. I need to know where things are right at this moment, how they're moving and when they're going to arrive or or the problems that they're going to face. But I also have a a system that, that has the historical data of my supply chain, of my global supply chain. So then I can, uh, you know, again, go back into that data over time and look at trends and look at uh, look for areas of value that I can discover, as I mentioned earlier in some examples. But those are the main things. And then I think we talked about it, but efficiency, uh, all the things that collaboration and automation can bring as well as, as well as analytics. You know, we're trying to remove the paper, right? We want to take the paper out of the process. We want to turn these things into bits, and we want to have people key in the data one time and then reuse that data throughout the whole cycle of the supply chain. As I mentioned, you know, the, 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 the entities that, that may have to see and touch and use this data could be anywhere from, you know, 20 to 40 different entities as goods move from, you know, one part of the world to another part of the world. And I, and I don't want to I don't want to forget agility. I think agility. Um, you know, we're doing some surveys with our customers now and asking them, you know, some of these questions about what are the value points and agility is really coming on top of the list. And agility manifests itself in many ways. I mean, maybe agility is the uh, the, the top level value point, which creates reduced cost and reduced risk and some other areas. But you know, agility having a system that allows you to react to. To, and, and have visibility to uh, the sub- global supply chain data is, is key. In your uh, estimation, what is the future of the global supply chain industry, and is digitization a major factor in all of that? 
Well, I, I think it's clear. Uh, it is moving to the digital world, right? It may be one of the last business areas that is doing that, right? If you look at all different functions in business, you know, many of many business areas have been digital for many, many years, right? ERP systems existed, you know, in the 70s and 80s and certainly um, uh, were able to digitize a lot of the business processes there. But in the global supply chain, you know, this stuff has really only happened, I think, uh, as vendors, uh, you know, like ourselves, like Amber Road, uh, has really only provided this kind of capability in a sort of holistic global sense in the last five to ten years. So I think many, many folks out there don't even know these capabilities exist. It's a chicken and egg sort of situation, right? As solutions uh, come to bear to provide capabilities, then certainly, you know, companies like Amber Road need to yell it from the mountaintops and, and get people to recognize it. But, but I think this is, this is what's happening now. So moving forward, uh, more and more companies are going to, you know, be forced uh, to, to move to the digital world, again, because there are applications that exist that can help them do it and because, you know, their competitors will do it. So I think that's, uh, you know, early adopters and transformational thinker, thinkers are going to gain a tremendous competitive advantage in, uh, by digitizing their global supply chain. So where can our audience go to find out more about Amber Road's efforts in this market? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the best location is our website, which is www.amberroad.com. There's a lot of good information out there, so I think uh, you can just, uh, you know, of course, use the digital web <laughs> to find out more information <laughs> about digitization of the supply chain. Excellent. Ty Bordner, thank you so much for taking some time, and uh, best of luck to Amber Road in this new digital world. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash getil. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.